the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time once again for another look into God's infallible book as we welcome you to another broadcast of the Riches of Grace. This program is the radio voice of Grace School of the Bible and is brought to you by Christian people who believe the Bible to be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and authority. At the heart of our ministry is the desire to help you appreciate and rejoice in the riches of God's grace to us in Christ. That's why we call this program the Riches of Grace. We're happy you've tuned our way today and trust that our time together will prove a real blessing as we continue with a series of studies designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. My name is Alex Kurz, and it's my privilege to invite you to join us as Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, brings us another message from the Word of God. Thank you, Alex, and we're certainly glad, my friend, to be on the air again today, and trust that you uh, will find our time together as we study uh, through the program today a rich blessing and help. It's just a joy to be able to greet you and to invite you to turn with us to the pages of the Word of God and allow the Spirit of God to speak to us and to teach us through His Word. Uh, we've arrived in our studies that we have been conducting now for several weeks uh, at at, at a rather strange uh, statement that Paul makes in connection with these, these uh, uh, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, statements. If you've been studying with us for, uh, along as we've been going through these statements, six times Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. And I've said over and over that if you took that comma out of the expression, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, took the comma between ignorant and brethren, took it out, you would have the title of the world's largest denomination, ignorant brethren. And Paul said, I don't want you to be a member of that group. And we've been looking at the, the six times that Paul makes that statement at the six particular areas of information and doctrine that he focuses on to tell us not to be ignorant of. Now, he doesn't say it about the fundamentals of the faith, and he doesn't, he doesn't say it about a lot of things that might be of, of special interest to you or, or some religious system. And the reason he doesn't talk about the fundamentals of the faith is because he's talking to believers. They already understand those issues. He's talking to believers about uh, how to be effective in the Christian life, especially about some issues that are the, that, that are the special focus of, of the satanic policy of evil against the purpose and plan of God. The adversary has found that it's very profitable for him to attack six specific areas. And each one of these, we, we, Paul identifies with one of these, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, statements. Now, we've arrived at, at, at the most unusual one of them today in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, Verse one, it's it's sort of strange uh, in, in that it it's not quite like all the others. It, it isn't a doctrinal statement. It's really uh, a statement that says, "I don't want you to be ignorant of some things that have happened uh, by way of illustration." First Corinthians ten verse one. Moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant how that all our fathers 
were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, when he says that, uh, you, you need to understand that, that, that when he starts out with that word, moreover, that he's referring to what's just gone previously in, in, in the passage before. And what this is, uh, is Paul is, is going to use the witness of the nation Israel and, and, and Israel's history as an excursion on, a, on, on how not to be a castaway. Uh, you notice in chapter 9, verse 27, he says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means I, when I had preached to others, I'd been useful to others, I myself would be a castaway. And moreover, brethren, in other words, I, I, there's something I want you to understand about this issue of being a castaway. Now, you know what a castaway is. Uh, that's, a, that's a terminology that, um, you know, if you're knee-high to a grasshopper to an old codger, you know what, 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 a, what a castaway is because you're familiar with the seven stranded castaways there on Gilligan's Isle. You know that. And that's what it is. That's exactly what the word means. You know, people talk about, well, the King James Bible is hard to understand. That's eh, not hard to understand. Uh, people say it's hard to understand because they don't want to understand it. they got some ulterior motive they want to do something else with. Uh, a castaway is somebody who, I mean, they're still alive. They're not dead. They're not lost. They simply made shipwreck of the faith, First Timothy 1.18. Isn't it interesting how these terms fit together? When you make shipwreck of the faith, you can either be drowned, as in First Timothy 6, 9, some people who are caught in snares and they're drowned uh, there, or you can be shipwrecked. That is, you can be like the captain and Gilligan and Ginger and, and Marianne and the professor and, and, and Mr. and Ms. Thurston Howell, you know, the third and all that business. You can be stranded. You may be still alive, but you're just stranded out there, out of commission and useless, out of circulation, of no of no value to anyone uh, in, in in your old life in, in life. Paul said, "I don't want to be a castaway." Moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. There's some things that happened to Israel that that speak to the issue of being a castaway. Now, verse five, he says about them. With many of them, God was not well-pleased. See, the issue is being well-pleasing unto God here. And the capacity that you have to please Him, and the possibility that you wouldn't. Now these things, verse 6, 1 Corinthians ten six, were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. There are some things that you need to be aware of and not to be ignorant of, in Israel's example, so that you would not be like they were, so that you would not be uh, a castaway and be not well-pleasing to God, so that you would be able to be used by God in His plan and purpose. By the way, that word castaway is a fascinating word. Second Timothy 2.15 says, "...study to show thyself approved unto God." A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In our study of God's word, our one great aim is to have God's approval. That's why we study the Bible rightly divided. Dispensational Bible study is a divinely designed method of studying God's word. 
And if you want to have God's approval, get the profit out of God's Word He's put in it for you, you have to approach it God's way. Now, that word that's translated approved in 2 Timothy 2.15, which is what we need to be, what we should be, the negative form of that word, unapproved, not approved, not well-pleasing to God, the negative form of that word is the word that is translated castaway. In other words, a castaway is someone who does not practice 2 Timothy 2.15. They don't study the Word of God rightly divided, to have God's approval. Therefore, they are ignorant of what God wants them to know in order for them to be utilized by Him and His purpose and plan and program. So it's a fascinating connection there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 4, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat of the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for that drink, for they drank of, of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. In essence, what he's saying is I, I remember that Israel got started great, they had a great start. They were That nation was created by God as His chosen agency in the earth. They were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Baptism is, a, is an issue of identification that produces a sanctification. Now, the word sanctification means to be set apart for the purpose for which a thing was created. It occurs the first time in Genesis 2, verse 1 to 3, about the Sabbath day. He sanctified it. He set it apart for the purpose for which it was created. It can be things. It can be people. It can be nations. God set apart the nation Israel. He had a plan. He had a purpose for that nation. And and when being baptized unto Moses, a sanctification took place. When God gave birth to the nation Israel... And, and a, a setting apart for his, he, he set that nation apart for his, his, his plans and his purpose. He created the nation Israel for a reason. Exodus chapter number 19, verse um, 3, Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. He destroyed them. He delivered them from Egypt. And how I bear you on eagles' wings. I did this for you. You didn't have the ability to get get loose from slavery. I set you free. And I didn't just set you free. I, I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. I set you apart for myself, for something that I, I created you for a reason. I got something I'm doing. What was that? Well, verse 5, that they should be a peculiar people, a treasure unto me. Above all people, there to be a kingdom of priests, a holy, a set-apart nation. Maybe you've noticed that in Genesis, in 1 Corinthians 10, the Passover isn't mentioned here, but rather the deliverance through the Red Sea and into the wilderness is, is all it's talked about. Now, Paul knows about the Passover, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, he talks about it. But the reason it isn't mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is because God did more than just shed the Passover lamb. It's blood. 
He redeemed them by more than just blood. There's more than just redemption. There's more than just the giving of life, the issue of justification involved for you and me. There's also the issue of sanctification. Not only did he redeem them and deliver them and set them free from bondage to satanic captivity in Egypt, but God also set them apart for a purpose, the purpose for which he had created the nation. And when they were baptized unto Moses, a sanctification took place. And then they all went out in the wilderness, and they all ate the same spiritual meat and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that rock that followed them, which was Christ. God didn't just create them and then leave them to fend for themselves, but he provided a complete provision for their journey through life on a daily basis. They ate of that same spiritual meat, the same spiritual drink. So spiritual there, he's talking about these things were supernatural. I mean, the manna was just bread and the water was just water. But it's, it's spiritual because they were supernaturally provided by God in order to teach the nation Israel a spiritual lesson. In Genesis, in Exodus 15 to 18, when he brought them out of Egypt, before he took them to Sinai, he took them out into the wilderness of sin, and there were, there were five specific lessons, trials, testings, teaching times that God put the nation Israel through in order to teach them about himself, that he would be the, the one who provided everything they need. He would satisfy every need they had, every desire they had. He was Jehovah, and he would do it for them. And so he gives them the spiritual meat, the manna, the spiritual drink, the water, and it all came to them out of that spiritual rock, which was Christ. In other words, the, now you know the, the Lord Jesus Christ is not some piece of stone sitting on the ground, and the rock that followed them didn't roll along after them, and, uh, after them as they traveled through the wilderness. It, it isn't that at all. It's the spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ. It represents Christ. It in its spiritual significance, that rock out of which the water came, and that provision which persistently, personally, was present with them all along the way, that was Christ providing for them. By the way, it's real clear all down through here that Jesus, that, that Paul believed that the Jesus Christ he trusted and believed and worshipped was the Jehovah God that dealt with Israel in time past. That's important to understand. The Jehovah of the Old Testament in the book of Exodus is the Jesus Christ of the New Testament. That's the deity of Christ involved here. And that's how that, how that rock represents Christ and how Christ was with them. As Jehovah, he was there to provide every need. So they had a great start. They had all the provisions. They had this sanctification under the purpose and, and plan of God for them. He created that nation for his own purposes, to be used by him. He gave them provisions where he was going to accomplish it for them. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Why? Because they lusted after evil things. They went back to the old life. And Paul said, they're examples for us to the intent that we should not do what they did. Now think about that. You and I had a good start, too, in Christ, didn't we? You remember what Ephesians says? I've told you many times, you ought to write Ephesians 1, verse 3, you know, on your refrigerator until you've got that verse memorized. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The moment that you were placed into Jesus Christ, God blessed you with all spiritual blessings. Not one was left out. So blessed were you, so fully and com- blessed were you, that Colossians 2.10 says you are complete in him. Friend, when you're complete, it, they're pushed down can't get any more in. You see, the Christian life doesn't start at the bottom of a ladder. God doesn't say, okay, now here's the ladder, climb up. God says, you're up here with me already, with all the blessings. I've given you everything I have for you in my son. So what's the Christian life going to be? It's just going to be taking the gift and opening it and seeing what God already gave you. We're not put under a performance system where we have to do something to gain a blessing from God. God has already given us everything he has for us in Christ. We've been put into this position of being in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Paul says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now, this is a baptism very much like the baptism of Israel unto Moses. When Israel was baptized into Moses, that wasn't a water baptism. That happened in the cloud and in the sea. They went over on dry land. You see, some people get so fixated on water baptism, they get so fixated on their religious traditions that every time they see that word baptize or baptism in the Bible, they think it's water. Learn the lesson, 1 Corinthians 10, 2. That wasn't water. They were all dry. Well, Romans 6, 3 has nothing to do with water either. Look at what it says you're baptized in. As many of us as were baptized into, not water, but Jesus Christ. You see, that's a supernatural baptism that only God could do. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body. You can't be baptized into Jesus Christ, much less into anybody else. Somebody says, well, I could be baptized into my church organization. Yeah, that's not what that says. Your church organization isn't Jesus Christ. This is a supernatural baptism provided by God himself. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body. That's the mechanics of identification truth, the mechanics of our sanctification being taken out of the world and put into Christ. Look what happened. We're baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You see, we've been given a new identity in Christ. That's why he goes on and says, for as many, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We should also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now you're dead to sin, but alive unto God. We're free from sin's mastery and dominion and control. And we're alive unto God. Not only that, not only do we have this newness of life in Christ, but chapter 7, verse 4, 5, and 6 says that we've been delivered from the law. Why? That we should serve in newness of spirit and not in oldness of letter. Not only would we have the new life in Christ, but now we've got this new operating system that the Spirit of God is, is working by today, the system of grace. And all that's designed to bear fruit in our life. 
That's what life does, is it bears fruit. Chapter 6, verse oh, verse uh, 20. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. But And, and what fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? Well, you know what fruit you had when you lived in the sin's mastery? It was fruit unto death. Verse 22, 6.22 of Romans. But now, being made free from sin and become the servants of God, you have your fruit unto what? Holiness. Holiness. Literally, you have the capacity now to place on display in your life the very character of Almighty God. Philippians 1, verse 11, he says that our lives are to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. You see, when we planted together with Christ, to plant something, you expect fruit. You expect life. We've been made righteous in Christ, and therefore, Paul says, that righteousness is to bear fruit in your life. Have our lives filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Literally, your life is to be an, an outbreak of the righteous character of God on the stage of human history where you live, because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now that, we got started good. That's who we are in Christ. Yet, you know, you can fail to benefit from your identity in Christ and all the blessings that God has given you in Christ Jesus. You can live in such a way that you're, that, that, that you're not able to participate with God in His plan of revealing His Son through you. Galatians 5, verse 13, Paul says, we've been called into liberty. We're free in Christ, free from the law, free from sin. Only use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Don't use your liberty the way that your flesh or the satanic program wants to use it. But by love, serve one another. Use your liberty to live the way God intends you to live. That is, for Christ to live in you. By love, serve one another. Who does that describe? That describes Jesus Christ and his life and his thinking. You see, we're to live consistently with who we are in Christ. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted in him, built up in him, established in the faith as you've been taught. It's going to take some input of some doctrine, some understanding that you believe God's word about who he says you are in his son, abounding there with thanksgiving. You see, when you come to grips with God's word and you see who God has made you in his son, he sets you free in Christ. You're dead to sin. You're dead to the law. You're alive unto God. You can live in the system of uh, operating in the system of God's grace. Then it begins to be the word of God that works in you that believe. Now, you can live that way, or you can be a castaway. You can be unapproved. You can be out there spiritually on Gilligan's Island. Oh, you're still alive, but you're stranded, you're out of commission, and you're useless. Don't be ignorant of who God has made you in Christ. Because if you're ignorant, we're going to see next week that when Israel was ignorant, she was 
ungrateful. Ignorance and ingratitude go together. Don't be ignorant, or my friend, you're going to be seduced into not being well-pleasing to God. Let me give you a free Bible study tape. It's entitled, Living Godly in an Ungodly World. Godliness means godlike, the way God lives. And the key is to know the identity that God has given you in Christ Jesus so that the Word of God can work effectually in you that believe. If you want to be well-pleasing to God, you don't, you don't want to be merely have a form of godliness, but you want to have the power of godliness working in you and operating in your life. Let me give you this tape. Living Godly in an Ungodly World. To receive your free copy, simply call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me here at the, at, at the Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. That's the Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. My friend, we also want you to know about Grace School of the Bible because we have a, we have a rather uniquely designed three-year Bible Institute program available on an extension basis. Our school is, is unique in, in several ways. First, we, we follow the Pauline design for the edification of the believer in our curriculum. Rather, rather than patterning our curriculum after the standard systematic theologies that are uh, used by most Bible institutes and Bible schools and seminaries, we, we followed a clearly designed outline and pattern for edification that's found in Paul's epistles. And what that does is it allows students to grow to maturity uh, the Pauline way and, and to quickly be prepared for the ministry that the Lord has for them. Another, another uniqueness of, of Grace School of the Bible is that it's offered on an extension basis through the use of a video. In other words, we, we send the school to you rather than requiring you to come to us. And what that does is it allows you to enjoy the regular sound Bible teaching and edification in the comfort and convenience of your own home and to fit it into your own scheduling demands and the, and the ministry that perhaps you already have where you are. If you are or you have ever desired to be a serious student of God's Word, why not call us today for a free catalog? That number again is 888-535-2300. And let me also say thanks to those who are helping us to keep this program on this station. This is uh, genuinely listener-supported radio and I hope you're encouraged to know that there are folks in your area who love the Word of God rightly divided and who rejoice in the message of grace and the joy of the grace life. My friend, if you don't have a fellowship to attend this week where the message of grace is taught from the rightly divided Word and the grace life is clearly proclaimed, call me and we'll put you in touch with a group in your area where you can find that fellowship and encouragement. Our number again is 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me at any time at The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. And, friend, if you're still not sure of salvation, that your sins are forgiven, 
and that you have eternal life as a present possession, be sure to let us know, and we'll be happy to send you some gospel literature that will make the way plain. That number again is 888-535-2300. Thanks for joining us today, and until we meet again this same time and place next week, Maranatha. I want to live above the world Though Satan's darts at me are hurled For faith has called the joyful sound A song of saints on Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.